We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now, people are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcast. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadDV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Merzig. We always say it's a Friday episode, but that's not true today. We are here with you on a Monday. What's going on, Andrew? Yeah, it's a good thing you didn't slip up there, and and yeah. I'm certainly doing great. Coming up, the Green Bay Packers' 100th victory over the Chicago Bears all-time, and people who are tuning in may be confused and likely disappointed <laughs> that they aren't getting to hear the sing-songy voice of Andy Herman serenading them through a victory Monday, but they are going to have to deal with the C-team today because we are filling in, Kyle. We are staying up late. We're going to get this podcast done right. 
That is absolutely true. And when the Packers play well enough to let their backup quarterback take a couple of those final snaps, you better believe the Pack-A-Day podcast team is resting their starters as well. But uh, we are really excited to be with you all on this glorious Victory Monday as the Packers did defeat those Chicago Bears 41-25 to on Sunday Night Football at Lambeau Field. And anytime the Packers beat the Bears is totally satisfying. But there was so much that went into this one uh, that really did make it extra fun to watch. And we're going to do our best to deep dive into this game. Um, and I think we're feeling pretty good about this one. And so I think we're, we're ready to jump in to some of the action and some that we saw. Really a really impressive offensive performance from the Packers. Yeah, it's nice. You know, early in the season, the Packers seemed to be beating the brakes off of every team that they were playing, and and we hadn't seen that in a while. And I think sometimes people get a little bit alarmed when when the offense kind of stagnates or the defense is giving up a lot of big plays. So it is nice to go out there, and you know, this is at least a decent Bears team. Um, say what you want about their offense, but it was nice to see the Packers really control both sides of of the ball, mm-hmm. not give up any big special teams plays this week. Um, and so, you know, coming out with victory is great, but then you know, having a comfortable victory where you know midway through the third quarter that you're you're not going to have a lot to worry about that that's uh, even better. So, yeah, we are going to get kick, things kicked off, and, and we'll go offense, and then we'll talk about the defense later. But I really thought, you know, opening drive, my initial reaction was they were really just doing a great job of controlling the line of scrimmage. That running game was clicking very early. I thought Lucas Patrick and Corey Lindsley really dominated up front, and and they were doing an excellent, excellent job of getting to the second level and really frustrating those Bears linebackers. That opened up the play-action game, and Rodgers had all day to throw on the first two drives. And you you just, as a defense, you can't give him that. And he absolutely carved up the Bears' secondary. So, you know, Devontae was just out there doing Devontae things. I thought Equinemius uh, made a really nice catch on a crosser, and he did some nice things after the catch there. Yeah, I can't remember if it was on the first drive or the second offensive possession, uh, but one of my favorite plays was the Alan Lazard catch where he looked like he was going to be stopped just short, probably about a yard short of the first down, but he front flips past two defenders and was able to move the chains. And I feel like this is something that we've just kind of come to expect from Lazard, uh, just doing the little things that add up to big things. And I know a lot has been made of the lack of weapons that Aaron Rodgers has had this year and really in recent seasons, but it just feels like having Lazard back out there adds another legitimate weapon to this offense and one that Rodgers clearly trusts, and that's going to be a big deal, especially for this team down the stretch. Yeah, that was a really big deal and and will continue to be so. And, you know, one thing that I noticed is on the third drive, ESB ended or had that end around where it looked like he had a little bit more room if he cuts it back inside of the blocker. However, it was refreshing to see them actually hand the ball off on the jet motion mm-hmm. to keep that edge nice and wide. And and I, I think, you know, that's something we've been preaching about on Fridays for, for quite a while. Like, where has that handoff been? Yeah. So for me personally, it was nice to see them uh, give it to Equinemius in that situation. Uh, I thought there were a, a couple of really nice Aaron Jones runs where the offensive line just kicked the Bears' front ends. <laughs> front end. front, the front's rear ends is what I meant to say. Uh, that would be a really interesting uh, analogy, metaphor, 
whatever. The the fourth down conversion to Tanyan Tanyan. Oh my oh gosh. My. Oh my. Tanyan Tanyan was nice, and it is obvious uh, he is playing with a major edge right now. Like he was very chippy mm-hmm. after a lot of plays tonight, and so. That that's nice to see. The touchdown to Lazard seemed like absolutely nothing was there. I thought that was going to be a clear throwaway, but Rodgers kept going through his progressions while dealing with a lot of pressure, and he made an absolutely beautiful throw there, um, kind of against the grain. So nice, nice to see that drive, um, which looked like it may end on a couple of different occasions, come through with another seven. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got around to uh, giving some respect to Mr. Robert Tunyon there. Uh, had a great game. We'll get into him a little bit more, I'm sure, as we get into the show. But uh, offense was really humming in the first half. Rodgers was absolutely on fire, went into halftime with a stat line of 128 yards passing and three touchdown passes to boot, connecting with Mercedes Adams and Lazard there in the first half. Uh, things started a little bit more slowly in the second half. Things actually looked to be off to a pretty hot start again, really moving the ball well with Aaron Jones. Uh, but a big holding call put them in a second and 20 on that first time that they had the, had the ball there in the second half, and they never really did recover from that. Uh, it was good to get J.K. Scott involved, though. I'm sure he was probably getting pretty bored at, at this point in the game. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, so there was the second drive of the second half, which which I titled "Run, Run, Run." Lull the Bears defense into hibernation. Play action, roll to the left, and then Tunyon ends up open deep for the touchdown. That's a long title, I guess. I I really want to hear you sing that to like a Christmas carol, if you run, could. Run, run. Uh, I was thinking about, run, 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 run. <laughs> oh, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, right, I like it's that. It's way too late, and we need to not. But, that, that, you know, I, I thought Tony Dungy did a pretty good job on the broadcast of, of breaking that down, how the Packers were making everything look the same. It was all of their runs off tackle. Rodgers was running the mm-hmm. fake boot action off away from the play over and over, and they, they ran that a couple of different times where they would then drag everybody to that side of the field. And what Tunyon did was basically run that route and then pivot and go the other way. And the whole Bears defense overreacted. So you, you, you sort of, you, I, I think this was something that was really missing in Mike McCarthy's tenure, was was seeing plays really build off of each other. And I never felt like towards the end, he, he was just really lining people up and, and making them win one-on-one matchups instead of using the offense to create openings for the players. And, and I think, you know, that's what has has allowed Aaron Rodgers to really buy into this Matt LaFleur system is because they constantly are working on scheming things open. And sometimes that can be frustrating because early on those things don't work and then they don't build into those plays in the second half. And I think that's why you've seen this offense at times snowball into these crazy performances and blowouts. And sometimes you've seen it stagnate a little bit because so much of that is, is built off of, you know, constantly using play A to lead to play B to lead to play C. And, and this was a great instance of where all of that really came together very, very well. Yeah, and Tanyan is a big piece of this. And I think coming into this year, we knew we were having... You just said Tanyan. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Tanyan. <laughs> we knew coming into the season 
that tight end was going to be essential for what Matt LaFleur wanted to do. And we had uh, DeGuara and we had Sternberger. And I think a lot of people thought that Sternberger was going to be kind of the emerging player here for this offense. Uh, but Robert Tunyon has just absolutely run with that job and has become such a reliable piece for this offense. And I, I would want to sit right here and talk about Robert Tunyon for just a second because I was listening to another podcast this week and they were talking about the Pro Bowl vote, which is obviously the most legitimate measure of, of talent in, in the league. Um, <laughs> but but uh, Robert Tunyon's name came up. And this is a national show. And at first I was like, no way. Like, Big Bob is not a pro bowler. He's been a good player for the Packers, but not a pro bowler. But then as you look at the tight end position around the league, and specifically in the NFC, you look at just how consistent Robert Tanyan has become. And you really start to think about it. Um, Obviously, there's Kelsey, there's Waller, uh, Andrews, but then there's just a bunch of other guys, and it's kind of some weird situational things this year around the league, but he's had, he had another great game tonight, and a big, big fourth down catch at the end just to kind of seal things up along with the touchdown and, and all the other plays he made, and the fact that you can even throw his name into the hat for a Pro Bowl vote speaks to just how good of a year he's had and how valuable he's really become to this offense. So knowing you were going to talk about this, I looked the stats up. So coming into tonight's game, um, or coming into this week, I should say, Tunyon was sixth in the NFC for tight ends in receiving yards okay. and first in touchdowns. Wow. And and obviously that will look even better after the stats are compiled for this week, right? Because he put together another another good performance in yards yeah. and, and had another touchdown. So, you know, he's definitely not in that tier of tight ends you mentioned, but you think about it, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, all in the AFC. Yeah. George Kittle's hurt. Um, yeah. So, you know, even, even some of the tight ends that are sort of emerging this year, like a John Roo Smith, also in the AFC. And so I, I think it, it actually, there there is a decent chance. I, I had not thought of this at all. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned it. But there is Did a decent separate, chance that Tanya could get that recognition. Do they separate NFC and AFC for the Pro Bowl vote? I'm not. Like, I thought the they did. They used to. I'm not sure if if they've moved to a system that, that's a a collective. I gotta be vote. honest. I don't think I've watched the Pro Bowl since I was like 12, and I don't want to say when that was. <laughs> you could have just stopped for me. At, I don't think I've watched the Pro Bowl. Period. No, no. Yeah, I used, it was I used really cool <laughs> when I was a kid in the 90s. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, because it was one of the few chances you got to like see that sort of stuff. We didn't have red zone when I was a kid. Sure, we, sure. We had to walk <laughs> uphill both ways to, to school as well. I mean, it, regardless of, you know, if they play, they're not playing the Pro Bowl this year, you know, how they, you know, combine the votes, NFC, AFC, it just speaks to the incredible season. That, no one would have guessed that Robert Tunyon was someone we'd be talking about as a potential uh, that you might even consider voting for. So, so good for him and another great game here tonight. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to CompScore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. 
Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Term and conditions apply. Yeah, I think you you wanted to talk about the guy Robert Tunyon replaced. Oh, you, you almost let me uh, just let him off the hook. But, yeah. I mean, Jimmy Graham just had an absolute redemption game tonight, right? Like, And just completely proved that, like, he left the Packers in the dust and went to Chicago and proved that it was, it was the Packers and their system that just completely rotted his talent when he could have been a dominant tight in the league, right? You know, after watching, because it's been a little while since I've seen Mitch Trubisky play, I can actually see how he would have a really great relationship with Jimmy Graham because Mitch Trubisky throws everything too high. And so having a six seven guy with a great wingspan right, like right. Graham actually probably does work to his favor in the red zone right. because even, even on passes that are supposed to be low, unless unless it's a some of the sideline throws he, he throws at his receiver's feet, but... Um, a lot of that stuff over the middle is too high, and Graham actually likes that. And, and so, it, oddly enough, that that might be a good relationship for the two. But sure. yeah, uh, Jimmy didn't really show up. I know he had a catch late. I don't remember anything before that. But yeah, I I laughed when he got targeted in the end zone because I mean he very well could have come down with that ball. It would have been a great play. And to his credit, he has had a pretty decent season for. The Bears, not that he's a completely different player, but they're using him some ways that, you know, it, it helps him out in the stat lines, and he's showing up and making an impact for the team. But when Jair Alexander is in coverage on, you know, an end zone target like that, and he's been challenged all the game with, you know, the likes of Allen Robinson and stuff, you just kind of saw him in phase with Jimmy Graham and mirroring his movements. Just like that was probably like a nice rep for him to kind of have a break <laughs> to be able to go out there and, oh, I just have to like mirror this guy into the end zone and make sure he doesn't come down with the ball. But, I mean, yeah, Jimmy has had a fine season for Chicago. We're joking. But, I mean, clearly Robert Tunyon has filled the shoes just fine for what was left there in Green Bay. So we move on to the third drive of the second half, which I have titled the Jamal Williams drive, where the Packers were really just imposing their will on the Bears' defensive line. And I know, you know, sometimes the the natural reaction, I think they even said it on the broadcast, is the the Bears have sort of like given up or lost their will. And I don't think that's what it was. I think the Bears were just trying to be really aggressive with their linebackers and the Packers guards were having none of it. And they were just pushing them out of the way and, and opening up gaping holes. And then suddenly you have Jamal Williams um, on the safeties, right? Eight mm-hmm. to 10 yards down the field. That's not a situation you want to be in. 
as an NFL defense, and so I, that that was a big-time struggle. There was another nice catch on that drive by Equinemius, and I loved when he sat down on the bench and signaled first down. <laughs> that, that was that was pretty fantastic. Uh, and then you go Williams, Williams, and more Williams, and the Bears were just uh, kind of done at that point. That, that was a drive that really sealed the game. Yeah, of course you're really happy to see Williams get the score there and really pour it on. Uh, but my favorite part of that team celebration was seeing Alan Lazard jog into the frame celebrating with his teammates, which was a huge relief um, after the injury scare with the big hit from Jalen Johnson. So you got a little bit of a sigh of relief along with uh, the elation of just pouring it on uh, the Chicago Bears team. So good way to kind of get into, I guess, what is now becoming garbage time in this football game. Yeah, it was, and I don't think we really need to summarize any of the other drives of the game because it was it was a whole heck of a lot of uh, handoffs and uh, some really quick play action. There was one play where Aaron Rodgers held the ball for two or three seconds, and you could tell he just didn't want it anymore because he's like, <laughs> I'm not getting hit in this blowout, and he just fired it. Uh, it was funny to see the Packers go for it on fourth down uh, late in the fourth quarter, and Rodgers made a really nice play. It was it was clearly a run-pass option, and the, the run wasn't necessarily there, so he fires it out to Robert Tunyon, mm-hmm. makes the catch, turns it upfield, already has the first down, and then goes out of his way to absolutely truck Buster screen that could not have been well received. Uh, one of the other notes from Garbage Time: Tim Boyle, in an effort not to lose any rushing yards, was taking the knee, moving forward. Uh, and after he did it the first time, when he tried it the second time, Roquan Smith apparently uh, took offense to said action <laughs> and hit Boyle, causing a near scrum at the end of the game. Yeah. So. Fortunately, cooler heads prevailed. Tim Boyle kind of got up and and, uh, got in Smith's face and seemed to sort of laugh about it. So that was good. But Mm -hmm. uh, maybe next time just take the minus one yard rushing (laughs) and and move on with your life. Uh, So uh, any reactions to, to garbage time stuff? Oh no, not a ton. You hit the you hit the big ones. I walked out of the room for just a second and came back to the scrum and wondered what in the world Tim Boyle had done just to fix things up. He's like, I only get him the game, and he's you know he's got to I got to make the most of it, right? But I'm glad you were here to tell me what had happened because I was like, it's pretty simple, man. Like, what's going on? Uh, but no, I mean, uh, we we talk on Fridays about these key matchups that are going to play into um, the game, and obviously everything really uh, went. The Packers way for the most part. We had some pretty, uh, pretty nice play from the Packers in these matchups, but we kind of want to circle back to a couple of those. And I know you highlighted uh, Khalil Mack versus Billy Turner, and uh, so I'm curious, you know, what you noticed in that. Yeah, I, we don't get this opportunity very often, right? Because if we're covering a game, we're we're doing it um, because it's a Thursday night game, and so we didn't get to preview that game. So this is one of those rare opportunities. Sometimes I'm a little jealous of people that get to podcast multiple times a week. Not that I want to do that. Trust me, but 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 you know because you get to preview a game and then you get to sort of break it down and we're we're in a cycle where we we either do one or the other most of the time we're previewing and so to get this opportunity is really cool I think to talk about the things that we addressed and then how they went and and you're right you know taking a look at that Khalil Mack Billy Turner matchup they they moved Mack around quite a bit but I feel like this ended up being a major win for Green Bay Mack had a couple of pressures but you certainly aren't going to just like blank him keep him off the slate like he still is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL so wherever 
wherever Khalil lined up, the Packers seemed to have help prepared to keep him away from Rodgers. And, you know, one one note here, not having Akeem Hicks really helped out the yeah. Packers. You know, not having to focus that much more attention on the interior blocking really allowed them to block and chip and help out on Khalil Mack basically the entire game. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day. Every day, head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, and anytime you don't hear Khalil Mack's name all night, you know, for the most part, it's a, it's a quieter night. That's a good night, and they did slow him up just enough, which is what we said on Friday. It's that's the goal when you're playing someone like Khalil Mack. And I talked a little bit about the running backs and the tight ends versus Roquan Smith. Um, and the Packers clearly found some creative ways to put the ball in the hands of their tight end and Tunyon. Uh, but we really didn't see the Packers running backs active in the passing game hardly at all in this game. And I kind of wonder if that was intentional in some ways, that the Packers might have seen uh, some weaknesses in the Bears defense in a young secondary and preferred those matchups in contrast uh, to Aaron and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams against someone like Roquan Smith. And they just kind of kept him pretty busy in the middle uh, making tackles on some of those those running plays all night long. And I think that the Packers were pretty content to win in that way. So uh, a little bit different than I may have expected seeing someone like Aaron Jones threatening in the passing game. Yeah, and I know you and I thought that if the Packers could really hold down Roquan Smith and, and hold down Khalil Mack's impact on the game, that they would probably come out with a victory, and they, they certainly were able to do that. So flipping the script, uh, taking a look at the Packers' defense, Certainly, uh, opening drive was not ideal. You had a 57-yard run by David Montgomery on the second play from scrimmage. That wasn't great. The the gap responsibility on that play was terrible, and the second level was really nowhere to be found. I thought the linebackers took some bad angles and, and got washed out by the guards because they were able to control the um, defensive line there. So it, it was a great job by the defense to recover and hold them to just the field goal. And yes, they were aided by the Cole Komet drop, but the, the pass breakup from Raven Green and Kevin King and Allen Robinson, that was really a thing of beauty. I thought yes. one of the key plays of the game. They were getting carved up a little bit on that second drive, and then Mitch Trubisky did a Mitch Trubisky thing and threw into double coverage. Uh, kudos, though, to Darnell Savage to be there playing over the top and make a tough over-the-shoulder catch. And the third drive was marked by another bad overthrow by Trubisky, and uh, the first down conversion was taken away by a holding penalty. That was definitely the case. And then the strip sack returned by six for Preston. Um, so there should have been a penalty on Zedarius for a face mask or possibly even hitting the quarterback in the head. Uh, should there also have been a penalty on Kenny Clark? Probably yes to that as well, but <laughs> there wasn't. And that was a great get-right moment for this defense. So I'm not going to complain about no calls. Yeah, for sure. You saw the 3rd and 17 pop up after the penalty and the defense playing a little bit soft in that situation. And we've seen some things happen with this defense recently. It makes you 
normally you get third and 17, you're like, oh boy, like this is good. And that's not always been the case. So a little bit nervous, but great heads up play by Preston to get that ball and get into the end zone. Uh, but you got to give credit to Z who got there along with Kenny Clark to force that fumble. And it didn't get a lot of credit at the time, but Rashad Gary actually put a lot of pressure on this play as well, which actually forced Trubisky to step up into Z and Clark. So really great play all around from just this past rush in general on that play. Yeah, and then uh, the fourth drive, which was the last drive before halftime, that was a much quicker first half than than (laughs) I remember it being. But uh, nice running by Montgomery as the Packers' defense was playing soft. You see uh, rookie Darnell Mooney making a couple of really nice catches. So there's a combination of a soft zone and some bad tackling. you know, David Montgomery was able to break a tackle of Raven Green and make a nice play. There was the pass interference on Kirksey that led to an extra set of goal line downs. And then Trubisky is able to get the quick touchdown pass to Allen Robinson. Yeah, big whoops on Kirksey from that third down play. You you hated seeing the Chicago offense being able to move the ball on that drive. But after the cute quarterback keeper on first down and the errant throw by Trubisky on the second down with that wallop hit from Jair um, to boot, it, it kind of felt like they might get off the field with just a field goal on that drive and get to halftime. Kirksey's going to wish he'd played that differently when he goes back and looks at the tape. And I don't think he'll be quite so adamant looking at the tape that he didn't commit a foul. It's pretty, pretty obvious that he didn't play that very well. Yeah, and I did see somebody, it was somebody from the national media that had posted something on Twitter about, um, you know, that was only defensive pass interference because the throw was so inaccurate. Mm. And that very well may be the case that if that ball is where it's supposed to be on the back shoulder, um, that, that Kirksey is in good position. And yes, he had his hand on his back, but in that case, he's not pulling him. Whereas Komet was trying to fight back through the coverage and that's what caused him to hold. So it definitely was pass interference, but um, it's interesting how those things, you know, sometimes poor throws end up being penalties. Like when a quarterback grossly underthrows a deep ball, and then the receiver tries to fight back through the corner who's not expecting the the ball to be there. So, so you're saying if we played better quarterbacks, our defense would be better. Um, <laughs> pass. Okay. All right. We'll just move on. <laughs> so okay. the opening drive of the second half, there was another nice catch by Darnell Mooney, somebody that I evaluated for the draft. I, I liked him quite a bit. I thought that was a, a pretty good pick by the Bears. Um, it really shows out the depth of that wide receiver class, um, the, the rookie wide receiver class of this year. And there was the sack by Preston Smith that basically ended ended the drive. Yeah, the Packers had really dominated this game in the first half, but if the Bears had come out and stacked another score here, that would have really, really changed the script of this game. So it was big that they were able to get off the field and force that punt. We already gave Preston Smith credit for the force, uh, for the fumble recover, recovery rather, and the score in the first half, but we did clarify that he was kind of the beneficiary of the work from Zedaria Smith and, and Kenny Clark and others. But uh, Preston did his own work here, uh, beating Charles Leno, the left tackle for the sack. And as Andrew said, this was a big, big play to start the second half. And it was really good to see Preston playing so well out there, and especially these really couple just instances where he flashed. Yeah, and again, it, it 
it looked on the next drive like the Bears would start moving the ball, but then Trubisky throws an inaccurate pass to the boundary, and then the next play he underthrows one deep, and then Darnell Savage makes a really nice play to intercept his second of the night. And yes, it was a bad read, right? But if Trubisky throws a little or puts a little bit more air under that ball, it, it either is a nice contested catch situation or it's just a pass breakup. But uh, a really, really great job by Darnell Savage to, to to be there, right, to to peel off of his coverage and cover mm-hmm. the underneath on that that deep over route and then um, to make one heck of a catch. Yeah, it's really, really easy to be happy for Darnell Savage with these big plays. He's clearly someone with a ton of talent that is just kind of waiting for everything to click. And tonight he had everything you can ask for as a safety, and that's opportunities. And he made the most of those opportunities and cashed in on two Mitch Trubisky passes for interceptions. And Andrew mentioned that that first catch that he made for the interception was not an easy one. It was an over-the-shoulder. You know, you want your player to make that catch but not an easy one. And then the second interception, he's actually contorting his body back in the air towards the ball, Um, so not an easy catch either. And so really, really good to see Darnell Savage being in position, one, obviously Mr. Brisky's giving away some gifts, but he's sealing the deal and making those plays, which is huge for this defense. Yeah, one of the things, I mean, you and I have talked a little bit. Darnell Savage, sort of up and down this year, and and you'd like to see some more out of him. But this is year two, and I always say for safeties, give them three years. You know what you have in year three. With with you know, I hate even bringing his name up because of the person he ended up being. But with Darren Sharper, I remember the first couple of years were were a struggle. I remember with Nick Collins. He, was, he, he didn't look like the superstar that he was trending towards being pre-injury yeah. in his first couple of years. It takes that time. I think, you know, probably 70 or 80% of, of being a good safety is being in the right place, and that is such a hard skill to yeah. learn when you have responsibilities in the run game and you have responsibilities in the pass game and you're the last line of defense. And, and I think... I think, maybe I'm overstating this because it's the Bears offense, but I think Savage is starting to show some of that. And, and man, if you want to see this this team just take off, Amos is playing really well right now. If Savage starts playing really well, that changes a lot of things. Yeah, it does. And, and makes things look a lot better. So um, we did want to talk about those key matchups that we, we brought up on Friday, and um, mine was Allen Robinson versus Jair Alexander, and the final tally is going to look like Robinson had a nice game with 74 yards and two touchdowns. However, so much of that was in garbage time, and this was really a major win for Jair. I have to think Allen Robinson cannot wait for free agency this offseason after the way he sees terrible throw after terrible throw from the Bears quarterbacks. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, this is a key matchup in this game. and he, he had those catches, and yes, they were forcing them into Jair's coverage at the end of the game, but really there were some scheme throws where, like, it really wasn't like a Jair you know, the first target was he, Raven Green was in coverage on Allen Robinson. I'm like, I'm throwing that ball every time. Like, you know, like that is definitely something you target. Obviously, we talked about Green and King making a huge play to break that up. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Jair had another incredible game in this in this one, and, and I think you know, just 
you're right, Allen Robinson is a talented receiver, and Trubisky's lucky to be throwing him the ball. Um, but my goodness, I, he's got to be so frustrated to be having such great games every single week in the stat line and just not seeing the results and wins um, for this team. But uh, my matchup in this one was Kenny Clark versus the Bears offensive line, especially the interior of the offensive line. I tried to watch this a little bit. Kenny Clark was getting pushed at, at plenty of times throughout the game and really wrecked several plays. But the thing that was most obvious to me is what Kenny Clark has said that he's frustrated about. He's seeing so much attention that it really is keeping him from maybe being the disruptor, but it's allowing other players around him to get into the backfield and make some plays. So uh, I have to go back and see exactly um, how impactful. I mean, he was incredibly impactful, but if he was him making the plays or the guys around him, but regardless, he's definitely someone who is is making some waves in the middle there, and the Bears' interior offensive line did not do nearly enough in this game, and Kenny Clark was a big reason why they were unable to do much uh, outside of the random, really long runs that they were able to produce at random times. Yeah, and it's really hard to evaluate uh, interior defensive linemen's impact on the game when you're when you're just watching the the TV footage, but yeah, um, it certainly seemed like like Kenny Clark had a, a major impact on this one. So the next thing that we wanted to talk about was our game MVP, and I know that you and I both try not to pick the obvious choice. So I'm gonna take Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams, completely off the table. We can't pick those two, right? Agreed. Agreed. Okay, so I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm going to go with Preston Smith. Uh, And it's just great to see him have a get-right game and come up big. Of course, you know, you can talk about the fumble recovery and score or the sack. But I thought just overall he he was much better at getting pressure. I thought the initial watch looked much better against the run. So getting the Smiths right to add to what Rashawn Gary is bringing could go a long ways in this team having a deep playoff run. We talked about the potential of Savage stepping up and playing much better. And now, you know, if you can see the Smiths kind of return the 2019 form, this could be a pretty good defense versus like what we've seen over the stretch of the last month and a half, two months. So, um, you know, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. Preston Smith, you know, he's taken a lot of, you know, flack for the way he's played this season. Um, but tonight, I mean, absolutely put a lot of doubters uh, to side and really went out and showed up and made some huge plays in big, big moments. I can't pick Aaron Rodgers here. We said this. Um, it's against the rules. But I will say, in an MVP race conversation, I think Rodgers coming out and playing the way that he did tonight against this defense. This Bears defense is a good, good defense. And they were missing Akeem Hicks and some other pieces that you wish that were out there so you could say the same. I mean, but uh, what a dominant performance from Aaron Rodgers. And I think it's performances like this that will inch him closer and closer to that MVP crown. And I think if, if he does win, I think it's games like this we'll look back on and say um, he was almost perfect. I mean, what a great game from him. I'm going to stop talking about him because I'm not allowed to pick him. 
I'm going to talk about the offensive line as my pick for MVP. And I know that's a whole unit. Um, there were so many pieces moving in this game. I think it's a testimony to how good this unit is, how deep this unit is. Um, Elton Jenkins, I mean, his, his versatility to move around, play multiple spots, incredibly valuable. Lucas Patrick, on the first and second drive of this game, he was sealing off blocks that I was like, it doesn't even look like there's another guy on the other side of him. He's just like turning the linebacker completely out of the play and opening up huge holes for Aaron Jones to run eight, nine, ten yards. Just incredible game for Lucas Patrick. And then John Running Jr. comes in and plays just like, oh, great. One other guy off the bench who's playing really good football. So Rodgers is great. We can talk about Rodgers and Adams and all these things. If the line does not play as well as they're playing against a defense that has the reputation that the Chicago Bears defense has, none of that happens. And so I think I think we can talk endlessly, we should talk endlessly, about how good this offensive line played, not only tonight, but has played all season long. Yeah, and then sort of our our secondary recognition award is the Attaboys. So not quite MVP level, but definitely players that that deserve recognition for their performance. Um, I have a few, and, and certainly I'm going to start with Mercedes Lewis. I think Big Dog is one of the most underrated players on this team. His blocking is is really like an extension of the offensive line, and he is such a great red zone threat because teams have to treat him like a tackle eligible. So when he actually decides to go out on a route, he's always at an advantage, and he's got great hands, and there's absolutely no defensive back in this league that is working through his body when he's posting you up. So um, love what Mercedes is bringing. Certainly he's a leader on this team, but but also in his game performance, um, it just just something that needs to be recognized. One player, I didn't have this marked down, but what you were talking about sort of sparked me, and that is Rashawn Gary, who I think is playing phenomenally right now. Uh, I almost always, you know, I, I like to mention that I had DK Metcalf ranked as my fifth <laughs> highest draft prospect two years ago. You know, Probably. I just like to casually bring that yeah, up in the conversations. Yeah. Sometimes at work, sometimes in <laughs> social settings. I just like to bring it up. So sometimes people know. in the drive through People know that I'm really great at drafting, uh, you know, future future all pro talent. But um, <laughs> inevitably, when I bring that up, somebody mentions, "Oh, Rashawn Gary, such a bust." This guy isn't a bust. He was figuring things out, and he's he's getting there. Uh, he is learning from the Smiths. Things are clicking, and he is playing outstanding. We don't always see the results. Not a lot of sacks. Um, but the pressures, the the impact that he like teams are starting to take recognition of him blocking. We're seeing more chips and we're seeing more double teams. So uh Rashawn Gary playing really, really well. And then the third person that I wanted to mention was Lucas Patrick, and you already mentioned him a little bit. Uh but I've been so impressed by his work since replacing Lane Taylor. He's not just a solid replacement. He's a good starting offensive lineman in the NFL, and he works double-team blocks with Corey Lindsay really well. I haven't thought about this a lot. Um, when I was putting my notes together, Lindsay, Patrick, Elton Jenkins, they all can play center. Mm. And to me, when all three of them are together, and we'll talk about Lindsay later, that adds so much knowledge to the interior offensive line and you know they're going to do a great job of communicating with each other and then also with the tackles and the recognition of that. And, and I think that's probably why Lucas Patrick and Corey Lindsley work so well in those double-team blocks because they both know 
what what's going on at all times. I think that helps with pass pro because they're really good at calling things out and handing off um, the the games that the defensive line is playing. So big kudos to Lucas Patrick. Yeah, so, I mean, he's talked about Rashawn Gary and making an excellent point that if he continues to play at the rate that he's playing right now and Preston Smith gets hot along with Sedaris, I mean, it, those all things all coming together. We talked about the secondary earlier. Uh, you know, if Amos and Savage get hot, if this team gets hot at the right time, um, I mean, that's what we want, right? Like, that's that's what we're we're hoping for. You know, we're not just trying to speak optimism into the – into the universe right now, but it certainly seems like that there are a lot of things that may just be starting to head in that direction at just the right time in this season. So lots of exciting stuff there. I have a couple names here just jotted down that I think are worth uh, attaboy mentions, and we talked about Savage already, um, so I'm going to bypass him because we've given him the credit. Tanyan, another guy who's absolutely worthy of that, but I want to talk about EQ and Equinemia St. Brown here. I know the stat line isn't like incredible. He had three touches in the game, two catches, uh, 39 yards, and he had the end around for another seven. But he feels like another significant contributor to the offense, um, and that's big for this team. The, the more weapons, uh, we know that LaFleur likes to attack in multiple ways. And so it, the more pieces you have that can do those things, it really opens up the possibilities. And so if he can be that guy who gives you just a couple of those big plays every game, that could be really big for this offense down the stretch. I thought he had his best performance in a really, really long time tonight, and it was really fun. You mentioned the the, uh, the plop down on the bench for the Bears and, and the nice uh, nice first down signal there. So a really fun game for, for EQ, and I thought that he did some really nice things, even though it may not have been the most obvious things. But uh, we have some injuries throughout this game that we should really mention here to close out the show. Uh, Kamal Martin... Darnell Savage and Lazard all went down and looked kind of um, grim in those situations. All those guys came back and did play in the game, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew. But Corey Lindsley was the one that we didn't see come back and play in this game. Obviously, Lindsley is the best center in the league at this point, and that's a huge loss for this team. Obviously, we talked about the depth of this offensive line and the Packers' ability to roll without him, but a big loss there. We knew he came into the game uh, nursing a back injury, but it was reported as a knee injury in this one, so that would be a big loss for the Packers if that ended up being a significant injury for Corey Lindsley. Yeah, and it, it certainly looked bad, and we are not medical experts, and even if we were, we wouldn't speculate on that, but um, you just hope that the, the testing comes back and it's not as serious as it looked, and um, you know, Corey will only miss a little bit of time, but we will see. Um, I believe all three of, of the others did come back, um, though I don't know that I can confirm whether Savage did or not. I know I saw Lazard back in there. I'm pretty sure I saw Kamal Martin at, at points. So um, we will see, you know, for uh, for this point in the season, the Packers are starting to get healthy after what was a yeah. catastrophic few weeks. And so we hope that they continue to trend in that way and, and uh, the, the rest of the team will have updates throughout the week on, on what those injuries look like and, and what that means as well as previewing the next game. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack of Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. 
and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please remember to also follow at Packet Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can get to Kyle and myself every single Friday, except this week. It's the, it's the second Friday in the last two and a half years we won't be on the show. <laughs> Sad. Sad. But in our place, you'll get to hear Andy Herman and Ben Fennell, who I guess are okay. And uh, we will be back the week after to get everybody ready for week 14 and the Detroit Lions. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.